Welcome to He Restores My Soul with Janie Ortland, where you can find encouragement for your busy life through God's renewing mercies. Hello, everyone. Welcome to He Restores My Soul. I'm so glad you're with us again in our discipleship series. You may be meeting as a group with one of your members leading you, or you may be listening to this as an individual. If you are doing it as an individual, it's not too late to ask someone to join you. Maybe you have a friend who'd be willing to meet with you once a week and go through these assignments together and listen to the podcast together, interact together. I think you would find it more fulfilling that way, but perhaps you can't do that right now at this stage in your life. So welcome, even if you're just listening one-on-one. I do hope that you're finding help in how discipleship can be presented to other women. Hopefully, you'll see that it's not complicated. It doesn't have to be difficult. For today's lesson, leader, I ask that you would gather three blank note cards, index cards, for each group member. That will be part of their assignment as the podcast closes. So just feel free to turn off the podcast and gather three blank note cards for each group member. We're going to start our time together with worship by focusing our eyes and hearts on Jesus. In my discipleship group, we're learning a little song called Jesus Christ is Made to Me. It's a, a song from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Now, maybe you're learning a different hymn or, or praise chorus. Whatever it is, stop and sing it together. Start your meeting with song. Now, in my discipleship group, we're going through the words in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, and talking about them during our, our worship time. We're going deeper into adoring Jesus, who he is, what he has done for us. We go into thanksgiving and praise of our mighty Lord. The word we're looking at today is righteousness. Jesus Christ is made to us righteousness. Now, what does this mean? Well, Righteousness is a legal standing. It's being made right before God above. It can also mean right action and and fair dealing. When we sin, we create a debt between ourselves and other men and women, or ourselves and God. Whenever we sin, we create debt. Left alone, my righteousness will always be insufficient for God's standard. As a group, or if you're listening individually, I want you to look up these Bible verses and read them. I'll list them, then you turn off the podcast and take some time reading them out loud. Romans 3, 10 through 12. Note how it says none are righteous. <laughs> Psalm 9, 8. 
Psalm 89.14 Philippians 3.8 and 9 and Romans 5.17 through 20 Go ahead and read those verses. Our righteousness is achieved through a judicial exchange between the sinner, that's us, and the Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, the sinner receives Christ's righteousness, and Jesus receives our punishment. Oh, what a costly exchange! What a precious gift we receive! Let's worship the Lord. Let's read 2 Corinthians 5.21 and then 1 Corinthians 1.30. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21 and 1 Corinthians 1.30. Then turn off the podcast, ask someone to pray and thank Jesus for becoming our righteousness, and sing your song again. During this lesson, I want to make sure that you set aside enough time to share your hearts and joys and burdens with each other. You might be spending so much time listening to my voice that you don't get to hear each other's. So during this time of discipleship, I want you to share first, and then, as time allows, work through the teaching part of this podcast. Begin with accountability. Share how everyone's quiet times are going. Was everyone able to complete four quiet times? I would ask the leader to pick two names uh, for others to share something that stood out during their time with the Lord this week. I tend to have everybody's name on a little slip of paper in a basket that I have with me each night we meet, and I'll just pick two names randomly out of that basket. However you want to, choose two women in your group to share something from their quiet times. Next, take time to allow the women to share their prayer requests with one another. Don't rush through this. Take some time to go deep with each other in what your needs are. Now, as we come back together, let's go into our teaching time. I want to talk today with you about a spiritual discipline that has become very precious to me. Have you ever heard of meditation? I wonder if you've ever tried to meditate. I believe that meditation is a vital part of our spiritual growth, and I want to encourage each one of you to go deeper with God through this rewarding discipline. It will produce beautiful, lasting fruit in your life. Now, meditation is not prayer, and it's not Bible study, but it can be a link between what you read, what you pray over, and your hour-by-hour thoughts and feelings and actions. Don't worry. Meditation is not hard. This is not a burden I'm going to lay on you. As Pastor Rick Warren has said, if you know how to worry, you already know how to meditate. (laughs) I love that, maybe because I do know how to worry so well. So if you know how to worry, 
You, you know how to meditate already. We all have thoughts that camp in our brains and our hearts. We chew on them. We play with them. We toss them about. What are we doing? We're meditating on them. What does the Bible teach us about meditation? Well, the first thing it teaches us is that consistent meditation on God's sacred word can result in sweet benefits. Listen to these words from Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Psalm 1 talks about the person who meditates being blessed. Meditation will bring you blessings. That means the person who meditates on God's law will be happy. This is not indicating a superficial lightheartedness, but a deep, strong, and enduring sense of well-being, a true happiness, a true peace. There will be fruit and growth for the woman who meditates, Psalm 1 teaches us. She will become a person of substance and stability. Oh, consistent meditation on God's sacred word will result in sweet benefits, believe me. A second thing that the Bible teaches us about meditation is that there's an acceptable way to meditate, one that pleases our king, one that is motivated by a love for God's word. Psalm 19.14 puts it this way, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Or, Psalm 104:34 May my meditation be pleasing to him for I rejoice in the Lord. Finally, oh how I love your law it is my meditation all the day. Psalm 119:97 There is an acceptable way to meditate, one that pleases our king and is motivated by a love for God's word. And then a third thing that the Bible teaches us about meditation is that meditation is an important tool to help us pass on our joy in the Lord to the coming generations. Psalm 145, verses 4 and 5 say it this way, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. What will you have to commend to the coming generations? Hopefully, a lot, because you've meditated on God's word. Well, what does meditation look like? I've been talking to you about what the Bible teaches about it. Now, what does it look like in our individual lives? Pastor David Roper of Idaho Mountain Ministries says this, Meditation is withdrawing your roots from the world of men and things and letting them travel to the river of God, taking pleasure in his counsel and drawing it into your soul. 
To meditate is to mutter or speak softly with the implication of speaking quietly to one's soul. It's what an earlier generation of Christians called spiritual reading. Now, spiritual reading is not Bible study as we normally know it, as observation, interpretation, and application, but a process that leads us to prayer. It means reading the scriptures slowly, thoughtfully, and prayerfully, and speaking it to ourselves until our hearts are touched. We must commune with our hearts and be still. We must give the word time to enter and saturate our souls. Then David quotes Psalm 119, verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. Thank you, David, for that picture of what meditation looks like. In Psalm 1, we have a picture of what meditation is. The picture is of a tree drawing from its roots on streams of water, feeding on that fresh and life-giving water. What does it mean to be a tree? Well, a tree draws water in and uses it to produce fruit. That's what meditation is. Meditation is making a truth a reality. It is drawing it into our souls. It's not a quick sip of water through a straw, but a life-giving long drink drawn up through roots into stems and then out into bearing leaves and fruit. When you meditate, dear listener, ask yourself, If this is true, this thought that I'm meditating on, this word of God, how will it change me, both my inner man and my outer actions? Meditation is speaking to your soul. Let these words affect you mentally and emotionally. Make it real. Bear fruit. Jeremiah 17, 8 says this, He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. You might be wondering, when should you meditate? Psalm 1, we keep coming back to Psalm 1. If you have questions, read Psalm 1. It will help you. Psalm 1 verse 2 instructs us to meditate day and night. In other words, in a disciplined, regular way, when you wake up and when you go to bed. The ESV Study Bible comments on this verse in Psalm 1, facing every situation, be it ever so mundane, with a view to pleasing the Lord by knowing and following his word. This takes time. How fast do roots grow down into streams of water? I love how Charles Spurgeon put it. He says this, You will not be able to extemporize good thinking unless you have been in the habit of thinking and feeding your mind with abundant and nourishing food. Store your minds very richly, 
And then, like merchants with crowded warehouses, you will have goods ready for your customers. And having arranged your good things upon the shelves of your mind, you will be able to hand them down at any time without the laborious process of going to market, sorting, folding, and preparing. He ends this quote like this. Take it as a rule without exception that to be able to overflow spontaneously, you must be full. Oh, dear sister, let's be full of the Word of God. Let's begin today. Ask God for one verse or even a phrase from a verse. Write it on a few index cards. Put them where you will see your verse in the morning and at bedtime and at other times during the day. You can put one on your bathroom mirror or your car dashboard, your Bible, your nightstand, or another in your cupboard. Mutter this verse to yourself. Coo it to yourself like a pigeon cooing. Roar it to yourself like a lion roaring. Chew on it. Press into this verse, absorb it, draw it deep into your heart. I'm having to do that these days. The verse that I'm meditating on is from Psalm 138, verse 3. It says this, On the day that I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. Oh, I love that. I have it on my mirror in the bathroom. I have it near my teapot downstairs where I make my morning tea. I have it in my Bible, and I have it near my computer. And I think about it. When my strength of soul is decreasing, I cry out to the Lord, and I claim this verse, my strength of soul you increased. So I encourage you, Find a verse or a phrase from a verse and meditate on it. Maurice Roberts says this in The Thought of God. We are all too impatient to meditate on the faith we profess. It is not the busy skimming over of religious duties, which makes for a strong Christian faith. Rather, it is the unhurried meditation on gospel truths and exposing of our minds to these truths that yields the fruits of sanctified character. That's what we want, isn't it? The fruits of sanctified character. Oh, please learn to meditate. Now, in your discipleship group, I want you to close with accountability and uh, possibly sharing, if you have time, from the book you're reading. You've already talked about your assignment, your uh, Bible reading and your prayer. Now, I want you to take this as your assignment for this coming week. Find a verse to meditate on day and night. Write it on three index cards and place each card in a spot of your home or work where you'll see it once in the morning, once midday, and once in the evening. As I told you, my spots include on my bathroom mirror or my 
near my teapot, in my Bible, on my nightstand, near my computer. Pick three places that work for you and begin to meditate on the verse this week. This week, I also want you to have five quiet times. Write the dates and passages that you're reading on a sheet of paper and bring it with you to your next meeting. And then, leader, make sure you choose what section you will read in your book for your next week. And to close, discuss what you've read this past week in the book that you're sharing together. In my group, we're reading The Practice of the Presence of God. Then close your meeting in prayer. And may the Lord restore your soul as you seek to meditate on his sacred word. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. This podcast is generously funded through Renewal Ministries. If you would like to discover more about Jannie and Ray's ministry or make a donation, visit their website at renewalministries.com. If you have a question for Jannie or would like to learn more about this podcast, please visit our website at herestoresmysoul.org.